recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Krista Gunnier on Talk Show. Today is Friday, January 25th, 2013. Thank you for listening, and praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, real Israel. Last week, I did a program entitled Christian Socialism. It was actually based upon two recent Saxon Messenger editorials, which I have written. A part of that program was a brief discussion of materialism from a Christian perspective. Materialism is contrary to Christianity, and the topic can be treated at much greater length. I hope to be doing that as time progresses. I must explain, however, that there is a lot of confusion as to what materialism is. I have recently been criticized by a quite ignorant young man, whom I won't bother to name, ostensibly some sort of non-Christian, who said that, and I quote, on the downside, I find Fink to be something of a classical white supremacist, not simply in his assertion that whites are chosen by God, well, if he doesn't like that, that doesn't, that, that's just tough, it doesn't make it untrue, in the exact same way that we are so disgusted when we hear the filthy Jews claiming as much, but also with his assertion that the greatness of a people is measured purely by their material technological development. I don't know where I ever asserted that. He then wrongly attributed to me the idea that the material world is the only thing that matters, which is absolutely contrary to everything which I stand for. Anybody who's really listened to my programs and read my writing would understand that. Now, it is a total misrepresentation of anything I have ever said that I would assert that the greatness of a people is measured purely by their material technological development. I certainly would not assert such a thing. However, and this is the important difference, the ability of the white man to develop remarkable machines and to build remarkable edifices as tools in the development and maintenance of a great civilization, certainly sets him up from the world's other races. To us, those things should be objects of beauty which embellish our wonderful civilization and, and, and which represent its values, but they are not the value itself. The ability to value and use materials is not materialism. Rather, it is how the materials are valued and used, and whether or not the pursuit of material gain is placed above spiritual values and well-being that constitutes materialism. While I will be treating the topics of materialism and the evils of capitalism, and of course Marxism too, to a greater extent in articles in the near future, Tonight we have Severus Nifflson, who has recently written an article entitled Transcending Materialism, to discuss these matters with us and, and certainly aspects of socialism and other related matters from a broader perspective than merely a Christian perspective. Hello, Severus. Greetings and, and thank you for being here. I appreciate you inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Transcending material, well, well, the paper is basically your definition of, of materialism is, is um, it, it, it's embedded in the, in, in the essay, so maybe we should just proceed with that, or, or if you have any other remarks or, or, or anything else to add, be welcome. 
Um, no, no, no. Let's 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 jump in because I, I do have a thought on. Well, I can just say it because it's interesting. That there there seems to be this dichotomy, right? That that people modern. I think it's a modern mind can't really combine thoughts too well, so they usually go either or. So in other words, if you're in, if you believe that the that things do transcend matter, then you are basically rejecting matter type of thing, and you have to reject matter because it's not. You're not really in the transcendental mode of thinking, uh, but that's not true. In other words, it's not, it's not an either or. A, a person is still within matter, but it's but it's transcending matter. See what I mean? It, it's not either or. A lot of people they either expect it to be a materialist and reject uh, spirituality, or be spiritual and reject matter. But it, it, there's not really a requirement for you to do this in in, in a reasonable fashion. Um, usually you see matter in a transcendental way and, and the matter itself becomes transcendental, which is, which is yeah. you know, that, that you can perform acts that seem to be material, but you're performing those acts for the sake of a transcendental objective. So, so at the same time, it doesn't require you to reject them. So I think it, anyone who makes those type of claims is basically a person who's ignorant of, of these things, just my opinion. Well, well, if we rejected matter then we should be sitting on top of a mountain in the Himalayas butt naked. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, chanting, and, and in reality, we would freeze to death, and, and it would be over. Yes, and, and that would be even worse, um, because that's really not transcending. That's a, a kind of running away, right? You're right. basically trying to escape uh, responsibilities and escape reality. Um, so but the, the reason I point that out is because I've heard a lot of people say that, that they almost have like a, either you're like a hardcore Buddhist or you're like a hardcore Jewish capitalist, but there's no there's no um, there's no sophistication in between for a lot of people in their minds. They have a, these really dramatic dichotomies, but but they're but they're not. The, the the truth is right somewhere else, and not in those two extremes. Well, well, right, and and that's the point that I I, I sort of try to make is that we we have to be able to value and use material. But but our life pursuit is not in pursuit of the material that we value and use. But yeah, we have course. spiritual values and spiritual pursuits, and, and and we attempt to build our society on those, and not on the material. Where, where Jewish Jewish capitalism is only materialistic, it's only the material that matters, and, and the pursuit of, of the material or the pursuit of objects created from it, it is really all that matters in Jewish capitalism. Yes, the, the way I defined it, based on, on what you just uh, mentioned, the way I defined it was um, materialism is the belief and, or understanding and or understanding that all that exists, either physically perceived or not, stems from matter, and thus consciousness is simply the result of matter's interaction with itself. So basically, defining materialism is difficult sometimes because um, so many people have different ways of defining it, but, the, but I'm trying to go to the core of it. The core of it is actually um, almost like a scientific existential view of matter, the idea that matter is everything and there's nothing else outside of it. Um, so even if you perceive something that seems to be outside of matter, it's actually still matter, that type of thing. So I'm basically defining it that way, and I'm actually criticizing that. And that's a little, and, and, and it's, it's a little aggressive because most people would like to define materialism in a, in a social economic fashion. So they define materialism in a socioeconomic fashion. It's easy to criticize that. But I'm actually criticizing the inherent issue here 
right? Which is what is existence, what is real, and what is unreal, that type of thing. Um, and I think that that that's kind of like the point of the article. Um, so that's what I wanted to really tackle. It's just this idea that that there's nothing outside of what you physically perceive. Well, well, right, and perhaps we uh, well, well, perhaps you may read the article for us, and and we could discuss those the, those portions of it. What wherever we find discussion pertinent. Yeah, I don't know if that's what you want to do. You want me to, to basically? Oh read? yeah, I, I would love the article makes some excellent points, and 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 I would love to pre to, to have it presented here. I mean, that's up to you if you wanted. Well, then, then that's cool. I can read it, and you can give me your your opinions, right? I mean, we can discuss uh, interesting issues in it. Okay, that's cool. I, I can do that. Um, but let me start, and you can stop me whenever you want. Okay. Um, when we think of all the amazing things our race has collectively accomplished throughout the ages, it is quite clear that materialism was far from their hearts and minds. Instead, it is obvious that transcendence itself as an objective was by far the most important focus of our creative genius. So what is the difference between these two conceptions of the world? And that's, that, that sums up, basically, you're introducing what I was just complaining about, about from one of my critics, right? Uh, I mean, the use of material is not materialism, but what we have to look at it objectively, and and it's what we do with the materialism, what with the material that that um that 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 makes us materialist, or, or that 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 indicates that we seek a higher objective. Exactly, it's 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 um it's basically how we um, use these things, uh, and not necessarily the things. Inherent in themselves, their very nature is not the issue, uh, necessarily, but but how you use that nature. Um, well, right, it's, it's it's we pursue a higher goal and we use material to help us achieve that goal. But what we don't, what we're capitalism in, in Jewish capitalism, the goal that we're we're pursuing is only the acquiring of the material itself. Exactly. Okay, so let me, let me see. For the sake of clarification, I will define materialism in the following manner. The belief and understanding that all that exists, either physically perceived or not, stems from matter, and that consciousness is simply the result of matter's interaction with itself. To be fair, materialism is arguably open to the possibility that some of the things that we can't easily perceive are nonetheless material. But inherent in this material phenomenology is the understanding that if it can't be measured, it doesn't exist. Many scientists today find this type of materialism difficult to justify thanks to quantum mechanics and chaos theory, but because most common people are usually behind set scientific trends by a few decades, they constantly regurgitate old theories as if they have always been dogmatically set in stone. And, and, and basically, basically what I'm trying to say is that, that even today, like the material, like the mainstream material, what people think were materialist scientists, right? But even those guys today say that materialism and this materialist perspective on things is actually incorrect because there's so many things that they've discovered. And I mentioned quantum mechanics, chaos theory. There's, there's others that basically put a create a problem for a materialist perspective because these things cannot really be quantified in that fashion, cannot be thought of of in that fashion. So. I think even scientifically, it is a wrong way of approaching it. I, I wanted to establish it, basically. Well, well, love can't be quantified and or measured, right? Uh, I mean, love for your wife or, or love for your brother, and, and that's two separate types of love. Per, perhaps why 
perhaps that's why the Jews, the materialist Jews, really only express love in the form of pornography. That that it, it's only lust and 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 immediate gratification to them. Well, uh, but, even beyond but, that, for them, yeah, for them is is um is a economic exchange anyway because they're exchanging goods and services, right? I mean, right. The, the woman services you. <laughs> I mean, gives you a service, and, and you and you pay back with with some a car or something. You know, it's usually an exchange of services. Treated in our legal system today. Yes, yeah, actually, yeah. It, the, the whole the whole dynamic of it is a, a basically like a like a mercantile dynamic. Between right, and demoted to purely economic pursuits. Exactly, and that's why things like divorce and all these other things become uh, just a matter of practical politics and, and practical economics. If the exchanges are not being done, if the the trading is not fair, then then you have to break up the the, the contract. It's it's all a mercantile exchange. What well, we're actually love should transcend material, right? Well, of course, of course. Yeah, but but they don't see it. But they don't see it that way. <laughs> they see it as a, as an economic transaction, and they've always seen it that way. Uh, but Europeans, we did it. Um, but but, they, but their influence has been so powerful that, that now we do. Uh, and and we see everything like that. It, it usually, our conversations with with um, loved ones usually have some level of exchange expectations of exchange, right? Like, oh, why didn't you give me a gift my birthday? You know, that type of thing. That I won't do this, or I won't love you like this. Or, it's usually an exchange, a barter system. Well, well, that's uh, I I didn't uh, I mean I first read it maybe in uh, I'd like to say Michael Raphael Johnson. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I think it was him, and he's a pretty good thinker on on culture and and Jewish capitalism and things like that. And, and I think it was him where I first read the idea that um that the in, in the postmodern world, and I'm only making vague generalizations about what I believe I remember reading, in, in the postmodern world, the, the Jewish capitalists would reduce all decisions in life to a mere series of economic decisions. Yes. Pampers or loves, Coke or Pepsi, um, college or trade. It, 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 yeah, you know, it's, it's, and, and that is a real devaluation of life. And, and it's basically cultural Marxism. It is, and that's why there's so many people that are frustrated and unhappy and, and, and miserable because once you reduce everything to a mercantile relationship, then, then you're uh, uh, constantly obsessed about, about that exchange, and you're always going to feel you get a rotten deal. Kind of like the joke about Jews that they always feel that they had got a bad deal. They're always unhappy even when they get a good deal because they could have gotten a better deal. Something. I think it's the same thing. Most people are usually upset because they didn't get the deal that they wanted type of thing. Well, well I, I think I explained in my first article on, on Christian socialism that, uh, that um, and, and I could term it German socialism, and it would be just as true, I think, that the, not Marxism, right? That, that before the advent of, of um, Jewish capitalism, men, men got their sense of worth and value from their contributions to their community, and, and now with Jewish capitalism, men get their sense of worth and value from how many toys they could stockpile. Or, or how big their IRA is, or how yep. big their house is. And, and that's empty, and that's why there are so many people unhappy, I, I believe, because that's an empty sense of value. I mean, who cares how many Xboxes and big screen TVs you have? I agree 
That's not really achievement, right? That's not achievement. They're actually rewards that we've earned from from the Jew who prints our money for for playing his game good. Yeah, and and, and it's um and it's impermanent, and we have a sense of impermanence in these things because we realize these things are impermanent. So we suffer even more because even the things we're enjoying, we know we can't enjoy them forever. We can enjoy them for a long time, and because all of our sense of value is predicated on these things, then we, we suffer. We're constantly unhappy because I'm enjoying now, but I want to enjoy tomorrow. Now, now when, when I first mentioned the, the title of tonight's program and, and the title of your article to some of the people in my chat room at, at Christagenia, and I mentioned um, transcending materialism, right? And, and and I'm saying this here because this is the next part of your article is on transcendence, right? That they first brought up Eastern mysticism, transcendental meditation, and it's amazing to me how how the um the, the <laughs> promotes the transcendence of of these Asian you know mysterious exotic Asian religions, and, and they totally ignore the transcendence that's basic to Christianity. Or, or to other Western um, paradigms. Yes. And, and that's, you know, the Jew would trash Christianity and promote the transcendence of, of the Eastern religions, but Christianity really is a transcendental religion because yes, it, it teaches the pursuit of things higher than material values outside of the material world. Yeah, it, it, you know, what's, yeah what's crazy is that that language, we, we, we talked in a, in a previous show a while back about this, that, that, that they're masters of, of acquiring your words and turning them into whatever they want, and then you use their terms, type of thing. They, they, they do this all the time. So a term like that, which basically has a very strict meaning. I mean, it just means one thing. But, but suddenly, they will define it for you, and then you will use their definition for it. And I, I tend to shun that a bit. Um, and I agree with you. Actually, I have an, a, a, a historical, my historical, my understanding of, of, of these issues is that there's not even such a thing as Eastern mysticism anyway, because most of these transcendental um, uh, traditions and paradigms, as you used, correctly used, are really ours. They're just perverted versions of ours, right? So, so in Asia, they have like a perverted version of our stuff. Well, well, it's absolutely true. I mean, Buddha was a Saxon. Exactly, that's, that's what I mean. Established that yeah. Buddha was one of the Saka. He was actually. Um, closely related to the Germans and, and not Oriental at all. Of course, and he was described that way, but that's my point. But, but the thing is, they, they have basically transfigured our own past, and this is obviously something that you dedicate a lot of time to, but they have transfigured our past, and, and not only in the subject that you decide, that you discuss a lot, which is the, the issue of Christian Israel and all that, but they actually have transfigured almost every single aspect of our past to the point that they actually assign our spirituality or our philosophical conceptions and they, and they basically assign them to other people. Like socialism, a good example. It's our stuff, but, but now socialism is Jewish. That's what they, they basically uh, give our stuff to others. They're giving our land, but before then, they've given our philosophies, our religions, our everything to other people, and then they tell us it's actually theirs. That's what they um, so that's, that's pretty horrible. Um, and uh, so, so let me let me read the, the definition of transcendence in, in that sense. Um, transcendence, on the other hand, and also overly simplified, is the understanding and or belief that certain things exist beyond material perception and or have an existence apart from its perceived limits. 
So that's kind of like a simple way of defining it. And it doesn't have a connotation of meditation or anything. I mean, you can meditate if you want, but that's not the point of the place. This word just means something. It, it, it doesn't mean a practice. It just means something, right? Um, well, encapsulating transcendence in, in the Jewish pop idea of transcendental meditation, and that's what it really is. It's a Jewish pop culture idea. Well, well, well that actually debases the idea of transcendence. Yeah, it's what we were talking about earlier. That it's basically escapism, right? They're trying to escape. And as a matter of fact, I study a lot of uh, Vedic culture and all that, uh, you know, which is Aryan. It's like all these other things are Aryan. And what's interesting about that is the idea of transcendental thinking was the idea that, that, that basically you have to act within matter, but you have to basically let go. In other words, because we are a soul, because we are eternal, that was the perception at the time, uh, therefore, um, you you had to re- let go of the results of your actions. In other words, if you, if you act in a, in the, within matter, you have to act because of duty, right? Because of honor, because of obligation, responsibility, uh, race and nation. You don't act because you want to reap the benefits of your action in the sense that you want, uh, you know, more horses, more women, whatever. But you just do your duty. That's your obligation, right? That that was dharma. That was actually was supposed to be a practice. And, and that's, you transcend the result. You go beyond the expectation of result because you act out of duty, right? And that concept is what the pop culture takes from what they, they ascribe to the mongrel Indians, which is not really theirs, and they ascribe to the Japanese or they ascribe to the Chinese. But then they morph it into the pop culture, which means let go of everything, don't care about anything, Smoke a joint and hide in a tree, right? Which is again. That boils down to escapism once again. Exactly, it's escapism. It's a form of radical nihilism, right? Um, but, but that has nothing to do with the original concept. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that. Um, okay, so I keep going. To the materialists, most aspects of religiosity, rituals in particular, and mysticism are perceived at best as obscenely emotional fancies, or, at worst, psychotic delusions. It is quite clear that the latter interpretation stems from the Judaic art of psychoanalysis and its degenerate creator, Sigmund Freud. And I I basically point to people to read The Culture of Critique, which is a great book on this issue in particular, about about psychology, uh, the Jewish role in psychology, and and how they try to basically make you become a lunatic or a person who's sick in the head if if it has any view that they don't like, right? Materialists, unfortunately, tend to use psychological and sociological jargon to hide their true intentions, pushing their particular brand of interpretations of the truth and reality. Ironically, materialists condemn the so-called absolutism of their religiously-minded enemies while simultaneously claiming that their views are the only ones based on objective reality. Go figure the integral, integral logic of this first-class oxymoron. Well, well right. It's, there's definitely a, a huge... Um, conflict in that thinking. The, the culture of critique, you know, you know, Kevin McDonald, I haven't read the entire book. I'm guilty of that. I do want to read it, and when I get the opportunity to read it, I'll read it critically. But he did do a, a wonderful job with the Frankfurt School and, and deconstructing their motives and, and their yeah. methods. But he himself is really an evolutionary... Um, I, I don't know if he believes in transcendence at all i don't think i don't know he he's he's um an agnostic or an atheist yeah you know what i've never been able to figure that out um he doesn't really address that in the book i find
find the book interesting in the sense that he goes into the, the whole issue of psychoanalysis and he's basically criticizing the idea that that every act that is, that is done by a Gentile is somehow uh, perverted because it leads to anti-Semitism. That, that's like, so therefore, they have to basically um, create a whole philosophy, a whole system of belief, which is psychoanalysis, which he correctly defines as, as a political ideology. Um, and basically teach people that if you are authoritarian personality, if you are, uh, if you're, uh, if you believe in a traditional family, if you have uh, cultural affinity, whatever, then you're basically a pervert of fate. Uh, you, you know, you, you know, someone raped you when you were a kid, something like that, to basically make you into a sick person. So that way, they can ostracize you by by just calling you a lunatic, right? That you're just crazy. Um, so I think that's uh, interesting. That uh, whether or not he's uh, he's, a, I have no idea, to be honest with you, but um. But he has actually, he did write in his book about, I don't know if you remember, we discussed it before and asked him when I, when I did a show with Mike um, about this idea of the, the Catholic Church. He seems to be, I, I think he's a Scottish, right? Um, so I, I think he comes from like a Catholic background because he was mentioning the, the idea that the Catholic Church at a point in history served as a, as a source of unification in Europe that protected Europe from the influence of uh, um, Jewish thought and Jewish uh, hegemony because the Catholic Church sustained certain level of centralized power and that type of thing. So he, he does seem to, to to have some positive view of uh, Christianity in general, right? He's not going to have a very sophisticated thing, but um, but he does seem to defend the idea of Christian civilization because I have read stuff like that from him. He recently did an article um, uh, reviewing The Hobbit, that movie, the Hollywood movie, uh, um, and he seems to basically say that the king is like a Christian king. It's interesting. I think he may be like around the area, but I, I don't know. I can talk on that. Well, well, let me. You know, you 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 might get a little ruffled with this, but I, I would assert that Christianity, that real Christianity, not modern day Judeo Christianity. The, the Catholic Church, and, and I hate to really call it the Catholic Church, but I, I guess we can especially for the purposes of, of illustration, that the Catholic Church as we know it today is not the Catholic Church as, as it first developed 1,400 of years ago. Of course not. The Catholic Church as we know it came into being with the time of Justinian. And, and um, Justinian basically, and, and I say that because it was Justinian who decreed that the Bishop of Rome would have hegemony over all the other Catholic bishops. That set the foundation for what became the later Roman Catholic Church with the popes and the cardinals and all, all, all the embellishments, well, which really are not Christianity. And, and the Catholic Church is not Christianity, it's Catholicism, because it's, it, even though it, it, it uses Christ in the New Testament, it, it, it has um, insulated its followers from the, the scripture and, and real Christian philosophies and layered um, on top of that its own catechism, its own rituals, and, and all these other odd beliefs, and, and, and it's absorbed a lot of paganism. Well, well, all of that is not really Christianity, but that's besides the point. When the Catholic Church had its beginnings in Byzantine Rome, Theodosius Constantine, Constantinus II, Theodosius I, Theodosius II, and ultimately Justinian, that they marginalized Jewish influence 
and, and actually um, separated through their, the, the laws that they created in the name of Christianity, they separated the Jew from European society. The Jews could not be office holders. The Jews could not loan money to Christians at, at usury. Christians couldn't borrow money at usury. The, the Jews could not hold Christian slaves. It, it's um, that they couldn't convert Christians to Judaism. They really did insulate European society and defend um, Europe from the Jews. That's true. And that defense lasted for, for nearly a thousand years. That now um, it, it fell apart because it was undermined by, by converso Jews and, and the Jesuits and, and, and other ways, the de' Medici popes. And, and when the usurers actually became pope, well, that was the end of the Catholic Church. Well, well the um, real Christianity to me is the only, and, and I consider, you know, elements of real Christianity definitely existed with those decrees against the Jews because Christians should never accept the Jews. And the Jews should be absolutely um, that they should be absolutely excluded from Christian society with no exceptions, and 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 um, and that is Christian in itself. Well, well, real Christianity is the only thing that could defend us against the Jews. Paganism never did it. Well, you know, pa it's interesting. It's interesting because um, a lot of folks. Um, and, and that's why I think it's interesting. In other words, you, you did have what you would call like a roller coaster ride of like, uh, ex, ex, you know, expelling Jews from different uh, uh, kingdoms that a lot of kings did themselves, right? Um, some popes after Justinian were also, you know, didn't like Jews either. I mean, Pope Innocent III, a lot of these guys segregated Jews absolutely, right? I mean, uh, I think it's Innocent III, the one that says that, that associates Cain with the Jews, right? I mean, um, well, uh, well, that was probably um, that. That was ac actually pretty accurate historically. But go on. Yeah, so you did have a few right, like a few rays of light, if you will. Um, but of course, the, the every every period is different, right? Medieval times required some type of centralization at that time, so so the church kind of filled that gap. And I think that's what McDonald's talked about: this gap in which you have chaos. And usually, when you have chaos, you have infiltrators. Uh, but, the, but a lot of these folks who, who blatantly were open about saying, look, you know, I have the fifth basically kicked all, you know, expelled all the Jews from all the people lands, right? So uh, a couple of these guys did do that type of work because they saw, saw them as enemies of Christianity, that type of thing. So these, these guys did exist, but, but that's, that's, I agree that that would be outside of the structure itself. Um, and, and I think even most uh, modern Catholics, there are somewhat actual Catholics that would reject the modern Catholic Church anyway. Um, but, but, yeah. Well, well there um, are some. There, there are some pre-Vatican II Catholics around yet that would reject the, the, um, the modern Catholic Churches. It, yes, yeah, like uh, the, what Mel gets his father for Yeah, There are some, and, and, and well, well, the modern Catholic Church is simply... I mean, the Catholic Church, to me, was a steady slope downward. And yes, there were men who, who were more pliable with the Jews, who were convinced that they were actually the people of the Bible and accepted them. And, and that, that, you know, the Jews have been masters at infiltration, at, at um, 
lying about who they are and, and lying about ancient history and getting people to believe them and, and, and corrupting people through money, through pandering. Uh, I mean, they never end. It's like the, the Satan that looks over your shoulder and just never stops whispering in your ear and, 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 and cajoling you and bribing you and, and, and um, trying to corrupt your, your, your foundations and, and eventually they crumbled. I, I mean, that's, that, that's what it's very evident to me, but, but I'm sure it's, it, it's not going to be evident to everybody. And that's the problem we've had is, is simply a lack of education. And, and we've always had that problem. It's yeah, always. I agree. To... Yeah, I agree. In general, not only the movement, but general culturally, um, there has been a steady slope, right, in, in education, like real education, not this silly education that people do, you know, math, reading, writing, no, no, but actual education. There's a huge lack of it because education today is, again, a mercantile, has a mercantile purpose. That the purpose is for you to be able to read advertisements, calculate how much you're going to pay, you know, that type of thing. It's all based on your engaging in the economy, but it's not really based on your understanding anything. Um, well, so, all right. Yeah. We've also had manifestations of that all through time. So, so. Exactly, yeah. Okay, let me uh, go here. Transcendence, on the other hand, um, I already read that. To the materialist, I already read that as well. Okay. Is there any inherent problem with allowing materialism to thrive within the pan-European nationalist movement? Yes. Let me provide a few basic logical reasons why materialism is actually hurting the prospects of our own collective survival on this earth. One, there's plenty of evidence that those who believe that only matter exists tend to have a limited understanding of what is real and unreal, and that's in quotations. In other words, those who actually limit what fits within reality are in fact blocking their ability to explore those things that may seem impossible at first glance, but may in fact not be. And I put in parentheses alternative realities, black holes, and the bending of time and space come to mind. A good scientist will consider any possibility, even the most outrageous one, as a fair ground for experimentation and consideration. A bad scientist will ab initio proclaim that only X is the accepted framework of study and nothing else can or should be considered. And, and let me say that ab initio is from the beginning, right from the, right from the get-go. They're going to... Um, yeah. yeah, from the beginning they're saying, oh, this is accepted reality and you're, you're nuts. So we're not going to even say what you're saying because... That is nuts, and we're going to go here. I think that that's the most unscientific thing approach you can ever have. And I, I actually think it's crazy that I would actually hear a lot of people make so-called scientific claims, and the only reason they use the word scientific is because they want to feel smart when they say it. Um, but the truth is that if you're a real scientist, you consider everything. Uh, and that's why I kind of mentioned, um, um, I'll, I'll mention it further in the article, but I mentioned the, 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 the Third Reich and, and how they – their scientists did amazing things because they were unburdened by materialism. Yes, so, they were. Let me see. Okay. The social consequence of accepting this type of approach to the world is that we not only stifle creativity, we also become much more prone to despair and defeatism. And, and we've always won our battles through... through, through the, the people, the, the groups that, that were most... Um, how the hell do I do, do I phrase this? The the groups that were most persuaded in transcendental philosophies always seem to be the groups that 
even if they don't prevail, they put up the biggest fight. The, the Greek and Roman writers, and, and uh, well, you, met, you mentioned this later in this paper, but the Greek and Roman writers marveled at German bravery in battle and attributed it yes. to Germanic belief in the eternal spirit of man. Yes. That, that if they died on the battlefield, they would continue to live in the spirit. And that was explicitly described by, by Diodorus Siculus and, and other ancient Greek writers. And they attributed that belief to German bravery. Yeah, and it's absolutely correct. And if you look at the Aryan uh, warriors in, uh, in the Indian subcontinent, if you look at the, uh, uh, their expressions over um, um, Europe in ancient times, it's the same. This, this understanding that the, the the body was um, was um, impermanent, right? But the, but the soul is permanent is a crucial characteristic of the the thinking and the and the feelings of the European men. And actually, I, I've always said this: that if if you remove this from them, um, then 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 they're dead. Because we are dead if we lose this understanding of of the universe, the understanding of ourselves. Um, well, so, well, right. This understanding, and, and I try to state this to some to some pagans. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're creators, actually. Um, the other night on Carolyn Yeager's program, I tried to explain that all of the early branches of our race believed in this transcendence. Yes. And, and, and that they basically scoffed at me, right? But but they they just don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, of course not. Because if you look at any um, remnant. Any um, any uh, cultural remnant of uh, Aryan man, if I use that term, I mean, I use it just lightly. I, I like the term, even though it, it's not really that clear to most people. Um, but if you look at their at their past, even if you look at it outside the, the paradigm, the, the the biblical paradigm, right? If you just look at it from from a secular paradigm, um, it's it's the same result. In other words, you see expression of transcendental understanding because. The burial itself, the the, the burning of uh, the bodies in, in some other cultures, the uh, the, um, the 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 leaving of gifts, which implies an understanding that something's going to happen afterwards. The uh, memorial stones um, that that specifically talk about the heroism of this man, a man who didn't care about death, he didn't fear death because he knew he was eternal. The heroes, the idea that heroes were apotheotically elevated to to the heavens, the, the idea that these men transcended our lives and our earth and history and it transcended everything and it went beyond. These things are not materialist uh, conceptions of, of, of life. And, and you see it in caves, right? I mean, uh, the point is, it's very clear that this is part of our nature. And it's part of our understanding. I think it's part of our genius, uh, to be honest with you. That's the way well, I well right. I mean, you can look at it with, with your reading and knowledge and experience. Yeah, you know, you could look at it from today looking backwards, right? And yeah. I've read a lot of ancient literature, and I could look at it from ancient times looking forwards. Uh, I mean, not only is the eternal spirit of man, but the continued existence of our consciousness found in the Bible. It's not. It's found in Akkadian literature. It's found in Sumerian literature, in the ancient inscriptions. It, it's found in, in, in the ancient Egyptian um, mortuary inscriptions. It's found in the Eddas. It's found in Germanic literature. It, it's found in, in the Greek and, and Roman poets. 
and that's yeah, and that's that's why I think that these modernists, because when we talk about even pagans, the so-called pagans are really atheists. A lot of the so-called pagans are really atheists. I don't know if you remember. I used to joke about that. That, that these guys don't really believe what they say to believe. That they want to have the all the appearances of a religious uh, philosophy without the actual belief or understanding of it. Um, in other words, they're atheists, but they want to wear the frippery, right? The the the, clo- the, the cloak of spirituality, but they don't really have it. If if they actually did, like a Viking, for example, then they would be fearless. They would go to battle knowing that the Norns, you know, had destiny to find, and they're going to Valhalla type of thing. But these, but most of these people don't, because they have really they have been immersed in materialism and immersed in atheism, and that's really what they, their their brain is in that mode. And they just reject Christianity. But they're not only rejecting they're not rejecting Christianity philosophically only, they're rejecting spirituality completely. And they just adopt something else for the sake of adopting something. But they're not really adopting a true, deep uh, spirituality about it. That's just my opinion. That's my criticism of that because there's not really, there hasn't really been an exchange. It has been simply a rejection. And then they adopt anything that basically counter counterimposes itself against what they reject, but they reject everything of it. They just don't reject one thing or the other. And most of this rejection is not intellectual. It's it's a it's almost like a reactionary rejection. And a lot of times it's justified, right? I mean, if you go to a, a Judeo Christian church, you know, who doesn't want to you know who doesn't want to run away, right? So I uh, and you agree with that. I mean but they, they, instead of doing a smart rejection, they just do a whole rejection, and they, with it, they throw away the baby of that one. They, they throw away spirituality, they throw away transcendental ways of seeing uh, life, etc. Well, well, the modern Judeo-Christian churches, and when I say modern, I, I mean basically last 150 years, ha- have been totally um, pilfered by the Jews. They, they are basically teaching Judaism for, for Gentiles, that they're not Christian whatsoever. And and yes. the the beliefs in in integration, diversity, multiculturalism, and, and and embracing all the world's animals and trying to um, elevate them to the position of people that that's a Jewish belief. That's not a Christian belief. Christ said, "Give not that which is holy to the dogs." He, he rejected people based on race all the time, and and that can be demonstrated that the. Um, but basically, the idea in transcendentalism, like it or not, Christianity in Western culture has been the religion uh, of transcendentalism and, and, and the paradigm yes. by, by, by which we should live for 2,000 years now, and, and we can't deny that. But if, even if you're not a, a Christian per se, the transcendental idea, the idea in the eternal spirit, the idea that we have to fight for a greater good for our race. I, I mean, that's what empowered the ancient Spartan warriors. Exactly. That, that, that idea has been with our race for um, all of eternity, for all of time. That We, we believe that the, in the eternal spirit of man, in, in, in um, existence after death, I don't care what terms you want to couch it in, we believed it. But we believed in a heaven and hell, and, and, and uh, Olympus and, and, and Valhalla, or 
Niflheim and and Hades, and I I mean that's those beliefs have been with us from the dawn of time. We see them in ancient Persian religion. We see them in every white religion. We do not see them originally in the religions of the other races. Not not that I agree. Not originally, we do not see them. The the Negroes. Yeah, they adopt our um, spirituality basically. Well, Well, right, absolutely. And, and um, yeah, because because even in the Vedic sources, which I've studied a lot of, of um, they, they go back to the same thing. You have um, the, the Aryan cosmology of uh, of the, the the Vedic Aryan way of seeing the universe. It, it had you know it had a, a judge after death. He would assign you to like hellish planets or a spiritual planets. Uh, you had the soul. Um, trans, they have the concept of transmigration of souls, right? But what's interesting about the transmigration of souls is that it was connected to the body in the sense that they believe that if, if your soul, um, if you're a rotten person, you can be born uh, as a nigger or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, eventually you cockroach, and for that reason, they, don't <laughs> they just let fall all over the kitchen. Well, well, that's the thing. That's what's interesting because that would be a perversion of the original concept because the original concept is that since you are a soul, you can't kill. So you can kill whatever you want if, you're, if your duty is to kill. So if you're, if, in other words, if your job you're a warrior, your job is to kill. And if you start saying that you shouldn't kill, then you're basically betraying your duty and therefore it means you're an ignorant fool because you actually think that you're actually killing when it's impossible to because the soul is eternal. So that, that's a funny expression of how when a non-white group adopts your religion, they'll take it to the point in which they'll collect rats and insects. When the original Aryans did not ever see the world that way, they would never even consider such a thing. Right? Uh, but, but, um, but anyway, without deviating from the subject, the point is, yes, you're absolutely correct. Our ancestors, no matter where they hailed from or, or what tradition they, uh, they uh, uh, you know, followed, they all had a view of uh, transcendence. And this is why we were... Uh, uh, great, because we build temples. Temple is a material act, but the purpose of the temple is a transcendental purpose. And art and architecture all stems from this view. These other people don't do that because they don't have that view. They just build something so they can live in it. So they don't care about how it looks. They don't care about the purpose. They don't care that it transcends even their own lives because they're not thinking in that fashion. Well, well right. So what they end up with is the dung hut. Exactly, exactly. Which actually goes to, uh, yeah, which actually goes to point number two. Whenever you want me, I can go up to point number two. Well, well, you could you could continue in, into part number two. I had a few thoughts, but they could probably... No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, my basic thought is, is that, um, yeah, you know, and it's a continuation of, of, of what we've been saying, is that whites, whites and white nationalists... Because Christianity has been the paradigm, and, and I'm a Christian, don't get me wrong, I'm not a Christian in name only, uh, I, I consider myself an authentic Christian, anybody who wants to dispute that can go read my website, right? But, but, and, and if they don't like it, that's just tough. But, but um, white nationalists and pagans who want to deconstruct and de-Christianize the West, to me, are basically playing right into Jewish hands because it's the Jew who's been attempting, who, who hates Christianity more than anything. Yet you don't see Jews wanting to, wanting to skin white pagans alive. They just don't. But they hate Christianity. 
and and for that reason, because Christianity is the the prevailing transcendental paradigm in the West, the the deconstruction of Christianity is really the the, the deconstruction of the West and and Western culture and values, and, and um, they're playing right into the hands of the Jews. Uh, I mean, if you want to be a white pagan, fine. If you want to be a white nationalist pro-white person, that, that's a wonderful thing, but to try to de-Christianize the West is to do the work of the Jew. That, that's the way well, it, it, You know, it's interesting. This is a, um, uh, a delicate subject, but it's interesting because the thing is because the Jews have deconstructed Christianity for how, how long did you say, 150 years or so? And, and oh, you can even make the argument, you can make the argument for a lot longer, right? Um, right. And you, yeah, you can make the argument that they've been deconstructing the Bible itself for so a long time, right? The idea of identities, for example, um, that, that has been going on for longer. I assume. Oh, you right, say. absolutely. Okay, so the the issue that you do encounter is that you do have, for example, a, 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 a young white nationalist who decides, okay, so um, you know, these are my <clears throat> these are my objectives, this is my belief. Uh, you know, I'm proud to be white. I'm proud to be European. But then they encounter a deconstructed a morphed, kind of perverted version of Christianity, if you will, right? It's not the Crusader Christianity as an example. To give you an example that I like, I think the Crusaders were, were cool. Right? So, but it's not those guys. What you see are these, you know, these evangelical idiots or, or you know, the liberal Christians type of thing. So because Christianity has been deconstructed by a majority of uh, people and it's, and it's deconstructed to the point it, it becomes like the mainstream version, it, it is pretty natural for, for the kid to basically reject it from the beginning, say, okay, so these people are crazy, this pastor is nuts, so I don't want anything to do with that. Um, so the, the job is really in the one who wants to reconstruct, that was they have deconstructed. So the job would be for a modern, for a Christian who is of the old school, if you will, to basically reconstruct Christianity. But, but that is a tough job. Of course, paganism would be reconstruction as well, because for you to construct, reconstruct uh, paganism, for example, would be tough, because most of what we know of uh, ancient paganism in Europe is based on priests writing about them, right? I mean, that's, that's a fact. Everything we know about Thor and whatever, we know it because of Christian priests actually writing these, these stories down. Um, so, and that's actually another issue within pagan communities. What is, what is a Christian influence and what is it? Well, it's difficult to, to, de- to deny the fact that almost everything would be a Christian uh, influence in Europe. And I would agree with you on that. Um, and I think, I think that this... I think this is part of the issue that the National Socialism was trying to deal with eventually, right? Especially the, the guys that were really into this idea of positive Christianity type of thing. They were trying to basically reconstruct it, and they were, have different ways of, of doing that. Um, but I think that a, a person who's not very knowledgeable, a person who just goes in and sees that for the last 200 years Christianity is basically insane in this context that we're talking about, it's, it's, it's difficult. You have a difficult propaganda job because you're basically fighting against a destroyed uh, structure, a destroyed temple, and you're trying to just rebuild it. And it's like two guys rebuilding it, and it's like a hundred guys keep throwing stones at it and destroying it. You know what I mean? Well, well right. Yeah, you know, uh, I call Adolf Hitler a Christian, and people that don't know Christianity or, or that don't know my... Um, my version, I hate to call it my version of Christianity, right? That They don't understand Christian identity. They don't understand the identity of the Jews. They don't understand um, the real circumstances and, and, and the racial characteristics of the people of the Old Testament. So, so they just scoff at me 
what went when I tell them that Hitler was a Christian because they imagine I mean a Judeo Christian or, or even a church going Christian that participates in Catholic rituals. Well, well the, the Judeo Christian is not Christianity. It's Judaism for Gentiles. That's what it's become. It's been deconstructed. It, it's been torn down and perverted and corrupted. Now, now the, the Catholic rituals. And, and, and all of the, the, the Catholic pomp and circumstance and, and, and the, the edifices and everything that the Catholic Church stands for, the institution, that's not really Christianity. It's Catholic. Christianity boils down to what the, the um, basic philosophies of Christ were. And, and Adolf Hitler was definitely a transcendentalist. Adolf Hitler believed that the individual should sacrifice his life for the sake of his nation or devote his life to the well-being of his nation, that is a Christian philosophy. And, and, and there are other basic Christian philosophies in National Socialism which are, are, are right from the pages of, of the Christian Bible in the words of Christ, and that is Christianity. And nationalism, Christianity is nationalism, and, and I can prove that from the Bible. And, and the, the, um, the individual should indeed devote himself to the, the, um, the, the well-being of his kindred community. Your community should be your kindred and, and your race, of course, and, and, and that is Christian. And, and those um, simple basic building blocks of National Socialism were absolutely Christian in, in nature. And he didn't, Hitler didn't get them, he didn't get those ideas from any other European paradigm. I have not found those ideas in the Eddas. I have not found them in Germanic pagan literature. And, and I, I mean, I haven't read the entire Edda, but I've read enough of it. I've read the Voluspur, I've read the Nibelungenlied. I have not found those ideas. So, so, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would agree that <clears throat> that would be the my only uh, two cents on the issue on that issue in particular would be that is whether or not within national socialism. I mean, I'm saying whether or not, but but there is clear evidence that some people within the national socialists wanted to create a new paradigm. They had Christianity as part of it, right? And and the issue of a new paradigm. In other words, you have approaches to this issue, right? You, and I think they're both legitimate, at least in my opinion, you'll probably disagree, but my opinion is that you have two approaches to this. You either um, reconstruct, what we're talking about is deconstruct this, you basically reconstruct, you basically do like a radical traditionalism, kind of do what uh, Julia Zavola promoted, the idea that you go back to like, you know, you, you try to recapture the past uh, correctly and then reconstruct from there. Or you basically um, use that as a foundation what's good of, of the past, and you basically create a new paradigm. These are two approaches that I think uh, are um, interesting to me. Um, so, for example, my personal thing, I'm very enamored with national socialism itself uh, as, as a paradigm. And, and, and of course, this paradigm, uh, per the, the myth of the 20th century, which is a book that, that I enjoy personally, well, has the Christian paradigm in it, right? Because it has the idea of the, myth, of the mysticism, um, the, 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 the good mysticism of Christianity, uh, the transcendentalism of Christianity, the, the traditions of Christianity, uh, the warrior-like aspects of Christianity, but it, but it also adds a paradigm that, is, um, that, that involves the issue of uh, national socialism, that involves the, the, the persona of Adolf Hitler, that involves the, um, 
the psychodynamics of, of, of this political religion, if you, if you will, national socialism. And I personally find that uh, interesting. It's something that I enjoy. Um, but, but they still have a Christian. In other words, uh, Christianity is going to still be there. The question is whether or not it, it's a reconstruction, which I, I think is what, what basically your approach is, or you basically uh, try to function with a, with a, with a new paradigm. Um, and, and I guess these will be the two approaches. Um, um, but they well, still well, have Christianity in the paradigm of National Socialist Germany, don't get me wrong, I love it. I find it a lot better. I find the, 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 um, the, the pomp, the decorum, the, the, the beauty of what was National Socialist Germany to be much better than, than say, the Catholic Church paradigm, right? Uh, <laughs> but, but um, you know, basically, it, if you are a white man who has um, the basic morals espoused by Christians, you know, don't drag your, your neighbor's wife to bed, don't steal from them, the basic um, laws that we find in the Ten Commandments, and, and you love your nation and your race, and you're willing to devote yourself to it, I don't care what you call yourself, you're a good Christian. Yes, and we and we actually had an entire show about that, which I think it was a great show that actually kind of discussed this. Um, yes, uh, I would tend to agree with that that idea. And then and then the issue of the paradigm would be kind of like a, a clothing. It would be kind of like a, a label, which uh, we also discussed. Well, well right. Yes. Yeah. People that claim to be Christians, uh, I mean, these Judeo Christians, most of them are damned whores. They're whores. They go to church for an hour on Sunday. They say they believe in Jesus. They go home and they watch niggers on TV for the rest of the week. (laughs) Christians? That they would call themselves Christians. They would assert they're Christians. They they would claim to have been baptized in the name of Jesus and saved 300 times. Well, well, they're worshiping niggers and and that they're basically playing the whore for the Jew, and, and they're not Christians at all. Yeah, because they, they just enjoy the label, right? It's, it's what, I, what, what people have called the good guy badge. They just want to put that badge on that says, I'm a good guy. Look, I, I go to church and I, and I give uh, 10 bucks to like a Haitian. So therefore, I'm a good guy. So now I have like a free pass to, to be a degenerate. <laughs> well, well, right. In actuality, he's not a good guy because he, he deprived his own community and his own kindred of $10 and gave them to some nigger that's going to go exactly. out and yeah, go right. buy a track lock and rape a white girl. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that's not true. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. No, I agree 100%. In that sense, uh, this is the reason why I, uh, I, I, I tell people that, that sometimes a lot of the arguments that, that I've seen in the movement are very stupid because they're not really based on substance. They're based more on labeling or, or packaging. Um, and I think that's crazy. And I think we go back again to the whole mercantile thing because everything is a product and everything is a packaging of a product. And you're a consumer, and you see the world as a consumer. So you're basically deciding what you can, what you don't consume. Because you're not really analyzing the substance. You're just consuming. And you say, well, you well, know, I, Pepsi. I like Coca-Cola. Stop it. So, yeah, right, exactly. So if you want to be a Jew, a Christian, or, or a Muslim, it's, it's only Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that makes the world safe and, and perfect for the Jew. Because he's the one that's making the dime on the Coke, the Pepsi, the Dr. Pepper, no matter which flavor. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's the same thing, Democrat, Republican, same thing. You, well, not Republican, but, but, you know, but there's no substance behind it. It's just the, because the package looks better because the, the Democrats are like Pepsi and the Republicans are Coke. But, but you're not really, you have no substance whatsoever. 
and I think that's the problem. That's why I'm always blown away when you tell me these stories about going in with talking to other people, expecting a civil discussion, and then and then everyone starts being insulting. I never understand that because that means that they're only they're basically arguing brand affiliation. It's like a, a, a brand loyalty. I'm loyal to Pepsi. So you are my enemy because you're loyal to Coca-Cola. But there's no substance to it. So that's why there's no real discussion. It's crazy. Absolutely. It, it's absolutely true. But, but to most people, there is no substance to their religion because no matter what they label themselves, come Sunday, they'll be worshiping niggers running a ball up and down the field. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. Okay, let me go to number two. Materialist is utilitarian. In other words, materialist view matter itself as either a vessel or as a piece of a puzzle. Things are either constructed for the sake of servicing a mechanism or to literally function for the benefit of another material entity. Almost all architecture that has been inspired or developed by materialists is horrendously functional. All you have to do is drive around your town and most structures will fit this description. They either function as a place to sell things, store things, or store themselves. They express no true passion because these buildings are seen as simple utilities. On the other hand, every single wonder of the world and almost every single achievement done in the realms of art, literature, and architecture was done for the sake of a transcendental objective. In other well, words, right. that's why none of our buildings today can compare to the Cathedral of Notre Dame or, or, of or the Hagia Sophia or any of those wonderful no. edifices of medieval Europe. And, and, and also art. Modern art is absolute crap for that reason as well. But, well, it's Jewish art, too. I, I mean, the Chrysler building is a beautiful building, but, but um, most of the buildings in New York are garbage. The, the World yeah, Trade Center was yeah. garbage. It was a, it, it was a rectangle. Exactly. There was no beauty to it at all. Uh, I mean, the Jews probably did us a favor taking it down. (laughs) I won't say Muslims, right? (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) Well, let me see. In the other words, most of our ancestors were expressing a sense of mystical awe at the universe, at the forces animating it, and our place within said cosmos. It wasn't ignorance. It was a true expansive and healthy awe at the magnitude of the universe. All of it was done holding the perspective that we are part of a larger drama, or at the very least, that our consciousness can transcend what appears to be our own material existence. The, the Greeks just didn't throw a temple up. They had to have specific, um, specific proportions to the buildings. That they had to look a specific way in, in order to um, idealize their beauty and, and make the most of the building materials. That they didn't just throw a, build a square and with, with cinder blocks and and if you gave a, a, a an, an Athenian cinder blocks to build a building with, he would probably hit you with it. Yeah, you know, the, the material was carefully chosen and and crafted and and it it was that because the building was going to serve that higher purpose. It, it had to be aesthetically pleasing. It, it had to be well constructed, of course, and 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 it had to meet certain um, cultural ideals, or, or the building was no good. Exactly, and and it had to be viewed as something that would last along for generations, because the purpose was to be a symbol, right? And that's the other thing: the idea of symbols uh, it themselves. There's something that that, that Jung discussed: the idea of symbols, right? The symbol itself 
is a transcendental concept um, because it's a representation of something that has beyond, meaning beyond the term or beyond the symbol, beyond the word. The, the, the symbol represents things that are beyond itself. And that's well, idea. Oh, right. Yeah. And the simple, and, and as, as I tried to address at the beginning of this program, the simple use of the material, the acquirement of the material to build the cathedral at Notre Dame, that that's not the religion. That that's, not, that that's only a vehicle by which we transmit our culture. And, 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 and the culture transcends the building. The, the, the acquirement of the building is not the end goal. And, and in Jewish capitalism, the, the acquirement of the building and the building of the building is the only thing that's important. Yes, and that's why it doesn't really have any, any import. It doesn't really have any passion because it's just a thing, to, you know, to put how many, how many people can we stick in there and charge them? Okay, so let's just make it square and just put you know, a bunch of floors and just subdivide it and, and throw it out there, right? Exactly. So, Exactly, yeah. and that's why the movie theater seats are six inches less narrower than <laughs> 20 years yeah. ago. Exactly, yeah, we, and, and that's why people live stacked up, because it's, I'm going to use that piece of real estate, I'm going to put you know, a bunch of people on top of it, that type of thing. And, and you can, so it's utilitarian, right? It's, it's, um, its purpose is simply for a functioning thing and to, and for the market and to get some profit out of it, but it doesn't really have anything beyond it, so it's uh, pretty sad, and that's why even aesthetically, our society is pretty freaking ugly. And, and, and actually, that affects everything, in my opinion, because if, if, if the, the expressions of culture, which is art, architecture, these things are expressions of, of, of they, they basically are symbols of who we are, what we feel, what we want to express. If well, we're basically utilitarian, we, ain't got, we, we're, we have nothing. And Jewish capitalism requires um, utilitarian architecture that because it only seeks to be the most cost-efficient. Yes, yes, exactly. And so that's a big issue. Uh, and in my opinion, I think our, our modern civilization is, is, is a horrid, ugly thing because it's only for the purpose of, of making a profit. So it's crazy. Um, well, right. Modern stadiums are horrible. They're all horrible that, that I've seen. I, I mean, I, I yeah. don't go to right, I haven't been to a game in maybe forty years, but but um, and that's true, but but um, the modern stadiums. I, I mean, I I used to pass Giant Stadium in New Jersey every day to go to work um, in the nineteen eighties, and and it was horrible. There was no beauty at all to it. It, it was just a, I don't know. It was just a a, a wall. It, it it had absolutely no aesthetic qualities whatsoever. And, yeah, and I, I think yeah. Uh, I've seen football stadiums in Dallas and, and other places that were basically no better. They, they were probably worse. Yeah, because the purpose is to stack people in to, to, and charge them a, a buck. I mean, that's basically the point. Um, and, and everything in our society, if you just drive around, look at the mini malls. That's a pretty horrendous freaking thing. I mean, I mean it's just an a L shape or a square shape. They put a bunch of, it's all made of carton, and they put people in there. And they put a sign, and you just consume, consume, consume. It's crazy. Um, but there's no beauty. There can't be any beauty because, because capitalism is not beautiful. Uh, there's no passion in it. The only point is to, um, to make a profit. And that's well, just right. modern, modern stadiums are just one example. I mean, look at our shopping malls. and, and, and um, I don't know. The examples are endless in, in society well, where utilitarianism has won out because of the demands of capitalism. 
Yeah, pretty bad. That's why when you look at national socialist um, um, culture, what you see is that spectac- spectacularly beautiful because it, it expresses something beyond these things. It goes, it transcends uh, utilitarian objectives. It goes beyond. It expresses the soul of a people, right? It expresses the soul of a culture. It expresses the 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 the, the hopes, the dreams, right? The aspirations. And that thinking is is a beyond type of thinking. And that's what makes a, a culture beautiful and something that, that you can admire, uh, unlike modern society. It's even more striking with modern housing, right? And and the way houses yeah. are manufactured today. And I would much prefer a, a, a 200-year-old stone house in New York or a 200-year-old Victorian mansion in in in, um, in, in Massachusetts than, than most of the houses that they build today are absolutely... Yeah, I was going to mention something that... Um, that, uh, that you, I don't know, maybe some people may disagree, but it's something that culturally shocked me the first time I saw it. So you may find it interesting. But the first time... Um, I was like around uh, 15 years old. No, I'm sorry. I was like 17 years old. When I came to the United States, I, I, I saw a cemetery, and I was, I was completely uh, blown away when I saw that the cemeteries, a lot of cemeteries only had like a, like a plague, and every plague was the same, and the rules of the cemetery were that everyone has to have a, a plague of exactly the same size, almost like a, like a communist uh, cemetery. Right. Thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I've never seen anything like that because in Europe, especially in Spain, you see these, and, and they're different. In other words, every part of the cemetery looked different and had a personality because each area expressed some aspect of that person's personality, whatever that is. Um, but here, there, in a lot of cemeteries, there were just like a plague, and it was no personality. It was utilitarian. There's a hole, throw the guy in there, put a plate on top, and don't make it fancy so other people don't get offended. That the, this guy apparently has a better stone than you. That type of thing. I was to me that was a crazy thing when I first saw it. I never forgot it because it, it expressed to me like a difference in cultural views, right? A, a way well, of seeing the world. Cemetery, you're right. And and where you are in the United States, I know that those cemeteries are more prevalent. You, you know that that you, you could look across the whole cemetery, you don't see one monument because they're all just flat yeah. in the ground, and, yeah. and and they all have to be the same size, and that's it. It is. It's a Marxist cemetery in the Northeast. But <laughs> my family has a plot in an old cemetery in New York, and it actually has some pretty beautiful monuments on it. And um, those days are gone because everything's utilitarian now. You can't have things like that. You can't. Exactly. To me, it might be vanity and a waste of money to have a huge monument. But it was the monuments. If you saw my family's uh, monument, it, it was also a. Um, it was also a cultural expression, and 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 it it expressed the yeah. values that that my family held, and um, it 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 it's it, it's decon it's deconstructed our culture to have Marxist cemeteries, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, that's exactly basically what that is. It's a Marxist, <laughs> a Marxist cemetery. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. It's another example of of, of the the, um, the the victory of Jewish capitalism and utilitarianism, and and basically that's that that's um it, it's really like dematerialism, right? For the sake of materialism, it, it's yeah. it doesn't yeah. seem to fit the paradigm, but it does. Yes. Um, okay. Let me see. Then the third point is 
Matter appears to be finite. Those who believe that they are themselves only tangible matter have no real reason to accept death as only a transition into a different existence, or at the very least, as simply another experience within a larger scheme of things. Death is final as far as consciousness is concerned, and therefore, life is the greatest indulgence and death the greatest abstinence. And I'm quoting the, the Anton LaVey, which the founder of Church of Satan, because he used to use that line to promote his atheism. Because what he promotes is atheism, although he calls it Satanism. It's really atheism. Well, well, right, and let me yeah. say that, you know, in the New Testament, and it's not evident to most people right, right away, but if you really study the New Testament, Christ addressed the Pharisees all the time. He sought to correct them. He taught them in parables. But, and, and except for one occasion where the Sadducees accosted Christ, he never addressed the Sadducees. Christ had nothing to say to the Sadducees. He never sought to teach the Sadducees. And, and, and there's a reason for that that's not entirely evident in the New Testament. And, and, and it's mentioned once in the book of Acts, but it's also discussed in detail by the historian Flavius Josephus. And that's that the Sadducees are the rejectors of everything spiritual. They don't believe in the spirit. They don't believe in, in the ethereal. They don't believe in transcendence. In, in transcendence, that they only believe in, in the physical, material world. And, and it's the Sadducees who, who are um, most closely related, um, probably genetically and philosophically, to, to the liberal Jews of today who, who reject everything spiritual and who would. Yeah. Um, actively seek to deconstruct Christianity. And, and, and they are the, the materialists of the Bible, and, and they're also the materialists of the modern world. Yes, I agree. Um, and, and usually their philosophical, um, their, their philosophical uh, additions to the culture tend to be materialistic. Uh, the Church of Satan being a good example of it, but I never forget that quote because this idea that life is the greatest indulgence and death is the greatest abstinence is basically like a type of uh, fancy uh, cowardice. Of, right. Of, right. It's, it's kind of like, uh, but 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 he would say basically that 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 martyrdom, for example, is, is basically stupid because if if life is all that exists, then why in the hell would you martyr? He's absolutely right. If you hold the materialist position, then martyrdom is a stupid thing. It's absolutely stupid because there's nothing afterwards. So why, why in the world would you die if death is the end, right? I mean, it, it's just crazy. Um, and this is the reason why I criticize uh, materialism in that sense. Uh, what I'll do is I'll continue that because I think I addressed it there. One more thing that's important to note here, what with your, um, what with your quote from, from Anton LaVey, right? And, and is that this quote reflects, and, and he was a Jew, right? The circumcised founder of the Church of Satan. Yes. He, he was a Jew. That this quote reflects a, a, um, an, an attitude seen among um, Jews of today more than any other group, and, and that is the rejection of all morals. Yeah, you know, life is the greatest indulgence. If you don't believe in transcendence, if you don't believe in, in a larger scheme of things, that, then you have no reason to have morals. Yeah, of Nothing course. is stopping you from going to bed with a goat or a, little, or, or a baby boy. I mean, what, what's to stop you? There's yeah, no reason to have any morals. There's no and, point. 
<laughs> right. And we see that trait in, in the Jews of today, the, the purveyors of all pandering and pornography and, and, and um, sexual um, indiscrimination and, and sexual deviancy. Well, we see that in, in Jews more than any other group. And and that that's um, because Jews are, are the least transcendent of, of any group. Oh, of course. And, and, and the thing is, because they're not linked to anything, which is really interesting. In other words, it's a form of like radical individualism. It's almost like a, an anarchist, libertarian, but in, in the sense of, of, in the spiritual sense, right? In other words, the lack of spirituality is as a form of radical individualism. And this is the reason why morality is, is stupid as well. Because if you're basically on your own, and you're not linked to anything, past, present, uh, you're not linked to any type of uh, guidelines, you're not really linked to anything because you're going to die. And after death, there's nothing, there's no consequence to anything. Um, but even your own life, even your actions are inconsequent anyway, because everything is about enjoyment, it's about now. Then really, there's no, you can do whatever the hell you want, as long as you don't get caught. And the only reason you don't want to get caught is so you can continue doing whatever the hell you want. Right. <laughs> so, so right. Basically, yeah. basically, become a Negro. Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that's how I see. Exactly. Okay. So, it has been an obvious incongruity to fight wholeheartedly for others or an idea, since realistically, this fight will have no true personal benefit in the grand scheme of things. In other words, what's the point of this investment? Why would I invest time, energy? the possible death, my possible uh, uh, injury, for something I'm not going to get really a benefit from. I'm investing on something that's going to, I'm going to die. So what's the point? What's the point of the investment, right? Um, So why would I do it? Um, Preferring death before dishonor when you are holding on to this psychodynamic makes absolutely no sense. The only logical thing to do if life is simply a personal playground in which death is a horrific game over is to enjoy the most of it without any real concern for anything but yourself and those that entertain you. Only those things that annoy or disturb your pleasure are worth fighting for. But worth only fighting. Those, yeah. yeah, are worth fighting for. Uh, but oh, oh, wait a minute, that's the one you said against, yeah. Um, but only so far as it doesn't really involve your own personal discomfort or threaten your life. This is the reason why most American soldiers can't be a match for dedicated and fanatical Muslim warriors, unless they have robots and computers doing some advanced killing on their behalf. Is it really that difficult to figure out why crusaders, legionaries, Vikings, Mujahideen, SS men, samurai, all of different spiritual paths were superior than all modern materialist soldiers combined? And I'm trying to make a point. The point is that all these kids and these guys that think they're tough guys, they will never be able to compete with dedicated, um, so dedicated warriors who have a transcendental view of their own life. In other words, their life is insignificant in contrast to their objective or in, in contrast to their community, et cetera. Uh, you well, really well, can't fight against well, them. Of the use of the West, are just, um, they're just materialist mall brats. Yes, absolutely. But they don't have a... a um, that, that they don't have a, a, a transcendental conviction any longer. No, Cat- no has destroyed it in them. Yeah, they, I don't remember who I was speaking to. Um, they, they were saying, like, they, I think it was, uh, I don't remember if it was you, they were saying, like, they offer you a pickup truck now. <laughs> if you sign up, you get a pickup truck. They're busy, like, these crazy mercenaries who, whose only objective is to, like, 
be able to get done with their job so they can get back and have a pickup truck and a Nintendo and, you know what I mean, that type of thing. Well, well right. At one time, we fought for blood and land, blood and bloating, right? Yeah. And, and that's what men fought for. They fought for their kindred, and, and they went and fought to the death to defend their kindred. And today, our soldiers are fighting for trinkets, that they're fighting for a salary, and, and they get their salary, and at the end of their four years – that they might get a $50,000 re-enlistment bonus. They take it, and they go buy themselves a Ford F-150. <laughs> and, and what it boils down to is that that's what they fought for, a Ford F-150. It, it, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or perhaps four years in college or, 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 or something. And, and that's not going to teach them anything in reality. It, it's just going to get them a better job when they get out so that they could buy a Ford F-250. Uh, I mean, that's what they're fighting for. Yeah, they're, they're basically bad. fighting for material trinkets, and they're no longer fighting. That this um, modern patriotism is is just a veneer for commercialism. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a consumer patriotism. <laughs> it, it's horrible. It, it's they're not fighting for blood, and 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 it it might still be couched in the terms that they're fighting for their country. What's their country? It, it's no longer their kin. It's no longer their land. They don't own their land anymore. They don't own their land because of the property taxes they have to pay. Most half of the country, anyway, yeah. pays incredibly ridiculous property taxes. Don't yeah. tell you to your land. Don't pay your taxes. And, and I don't care how long you've spent in Iraq or, or Afghanistan. You don't pay your taxes for two years. Your land is gone. Oh, no, of course. That's why they say they fight for freedom, but because they have reformulated the term to mean the freedom to go to the mall, the freedom to, to, to go to a movie, eat ice cream, uh, watch a game. That's freedom to them. Well, well, it's basically the freedom to not have morals. Is, is exactly. Jew the Jewish ideal of freedom is the freedom to go to bed with whoever you want, to, 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 to be a pervert, and, 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 and that's not freedom at all. You become a slave to indulgence. No, they're slaves. Yeah, yeah, they're slaves. There's no doubt they're slaves. And they're miserable slaves on top of that because... That life is a miserable life, and, and they all kind of know it, but they, they, have no, they don't know what else to do with it, so they just consume and that's their life. Well, well that's so, why they're all on drugs. That, that's why 60% of the adults in our society are, are on prescription medication today by the time they're 40 years old. Exactly. I guess, I guess that's the only permission that they'll get to, uh, to try to escape from from the material world <laughs> is to go on a trip. Uh, it's crazy. Um, um, let me see. Number four, nation, race, and tradition become transitory concepts that can easily be manhandled in any direction for the sake of personal convenience. There is simply no real reason why I can't act in a way that would dishonor my forebears since they're all dead and have simply no true sense of shame. The whole idea of tradition is simply ridiculous within this materialistic conception of life because biologically speaking, the influence of the past is already here in our bodies, and it simply has no relation to their so-called moral constructs. Basically, the past is literally dead and the future as well. A person who thinks in this very limited way is an easy target for environmental arguments on interpersonal relationships, psychoanalysis, and the progressive view of history, a type of evolutionary secular eschatology that so many of our enemies love to preach. On the other hand, ancestral worship has always been the raison d'etre for our, the reason to be, right, of our whole traditional culture. We felt compelled to appease and honor our forebears because they had never actually left us. 
Well, well, right, and and that's the real Christian belief, and, and as the Gospel of Luke actually opens up, that that um that you know that the, the redemption in Christ is for the the benefit of the promises made to our fathers. Uh, okay, and, and a lot of people would argue with me that that those Old Testament people are our fathers, but I can prove that they certainly are, and they're not Jews at all. And, and that's a whole different story, but, but we, we have, and, and this is ingrained in Christians for, uh, until modern times, what we have a responsibility to the, the beliefs, the values, the culture of our ancestors, to honor our ancestors, um, the, the second commandment, love thy father and mother, and, and Paul of Tarsus says that's the only commandment with a promise that you may have long life upon the earth. If you honor your ancestors, that, that's a Christian promise that, that your life will be fruitful and bountiful and, and of long duration. That now, um, uh, of course, people might find ways to argue against that, but that's immaterial. The Christian value is to value your ancestors. Now, now the U.S. Constitution was, was um, explicitly for us and our posterity. Posterity are offspring. The fruits and, and, and um, success which we had in this nation was intended only for the children of its founders. Uh, only for the children of those who, who fought for it to, to, to win it. And um, we've lost those ideals. We've traded genealogy for geography. Uh, our allegiance now is to geography. It's not to genealogy. And, and that's a huge sin. That's a huge mistake. Just because somebody comes from Kenya and, and wants to put on a pair of American boxing trunks and, and Americans will root for him in, in, in the Olympics and he's beaten the hell out of a white German. And, and white Americans will root for the Kenyans simply because he is. American boxing trunks on. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, <laughs> it's a brand, but it's brand loyalty. <laughs> well, well, right, but Jewish capitalism and 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 these ideas that that um, yeah, you know, patriotism. In order to be a patriot, yeah, you can be a patriot, but if you don't have a common patriarch with me, you sure as hell can't be a patriot with me. If we don't have a common heritage and a common genealogy, we can't be patriotic together. But the Jew has perverted the meaning of the word patriot into a geographical allegiance. And, and our allegiance shouldn't be based on geography. It should be based on the blood that runs through our veins. So, so that, that's um, what we no longer honor our ancestors because our our ideas of patriotism and and our allegiances have been replaced with something superficial. Yeah, of course. And, and my point was that it's because we believe and materials believe that they don't matter anymore. They're long gone, right? That's in the past, and we're in the present. So well, well, right, because yeah. we've lost that transcendental idea. Exactly. Now they're dead, so who cares? They're, they're not going to care. That type of thing. Right. Okay, let me see. If we accept the fact that we're going to face our maker or, or be responsible for our actions be, and our allegiances beyond this world, that then we're going to be more easily um, convinced that we should honor our ancestors and, and, and uh, have our allegiances with their descendants who are our brothers and sisters and cousins. Of course, and that we owe them respect, and that we owe them 
um, honor and loyalty. And these things, uh, if you look at them from a very honest materialist perspective, even a so-called materialist, when, when they act this way, they're not being materialist. Because if you think that way, if you look at it from a materialist perspective, that doesn't make any sense. Because this so-called loyalty doesn't make any sense within the, the materialist paradigm. It only makes sense within the transcendental paradigm. It makes sense that you are loyal to the system. I mean, they're dead, but, but no, but they're not dead to me. Uh, so you don't accept the, the finiteness of matter in the case of your ancestors. That means that you're not really a materialist because you see, you see them beyond that, 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 that limited space of time. You don't even see them when it's time. You see them like eternal, right? Um, so that is the transcendental view. Um, so if you honor your ancestors, you're not really a materialist in the truth of the word. Absolutely, you're going to that um, you're going to devote. If you honor your ancestors, you're going to devote yourself to your race and your culture. It's exactly. Special. Yeah, that's as simple as it is. Okay, let me see. In stark contrast to the perspective above, those who view their life as an expression of something that, although part of perceived reality, also goes beyond it, will have enormous reservoirs of courage to fight without fear of ending their personal existence. Transcendental men fight because they wish to express the inner yearning of an, internal, of, of an eternal consciousness who chooses to act without the limiting fear of believing that only what is perceived by his senses is real. The art of the transcendentalist is to manipulate matter to his will and not let matter subjugate him. This is what truly differentiates Aryan kind from most other breeds in the hominid world. It is the triumph of the will and the will to power of Western man that has made our people and worthy of universal recognition. Almost all of our founding mythos relate how it was the will, or the word, to subjugate matter to our race's desire that distinguishes us from most other creatures in the universe. Even our understanding of courage and heroism has always been predicated on the premise of true transcendence and not on crude materialism. It is a desire to go beyond death, beyond the elements, that has placed us in a position in which we have defined what is actually plausible or not. Well, well, absolutely, and the desire to go beyond death is seen in, in the ideas of heaven and hell, uh, um, Olympus and Hades, Valhalla and, and Niflheim. That the um, you, you list a, a you, you list a collection of non-Christian transcendentalists here in your paper. That the Brahmins, the the warrior priests, the magicians, the wizards, the druids. Uh, I would say yeah, even the Greek. The, the 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 Greek priests. Uh, I mean, the Greeks had priests, and, and um, the, yeah, the, the Romans, the the Romans, the the the, um, the Celts. Uh, all the Celts with uh, with their with their own. Actually, they were feared, like deeply feared, because the the Celts and the, the Gauls, right? But the the Celts had Ternunos. They had their own gods. But but the thing that was scary about them is these people w- would die. They were not afraid. They were not cowards. They believed that they were fighting for their family, they believed they were fighting for their people, and they believed they would take a, an important role that would become heroes, right? Even the concept of the hero is a transcendental concept. The idea that you can become a hero is an idea that is not material because the hero is a, is a person who goes beyond matter to express something, to become something higher than the normal, right? So even the, even the concept of heroism, which is very uh, ours, right, is transcendental. Well, well, the Greeks, and I point to it a lot, the Greeks had the story of Heracles who descended into Hades and brought Alcestis back from the dead as a reward that she 
that, that she gave her life to her husband and he restored it to her. I, I mean, that idea is, is age old in, in all the branches of our race. And absolutely. There's no doubt that the, um, I think you explained it to me perhaps that the, the reason why the skull and crossbones was used as a symbol it is because it showed a disdain for death. Yes. It, it showed exactly a disdain for death, a disdain for death. It is, um, that, that disdain for death and that, and, and that belief that we do indeed transcend our material nature it is what has, has provided our race with, with courage and inspiration for thousands of years. Yes. In other words, we've never been cowards. We're becoming cowards. And I think that, that materialism is the reason why modern European man is a coward. Because well, absolutely. Yeah, they become fearful. Uh, of uh, losing matter. <laughs> if you believe that this is all you have and that your experience here is all you're ever going to enjoy, you're, you're going to do anything not to lose it. And, and Christ said that he would lo- who, who loses his life shall find it and, and he who would keep his life shall lose it. In, in other words, the coward it is, um, is going to die. That, yes, that's, and, 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 that, and that fear, that fear will basically make you sell your family, lie to, to survive. Right. That's why martyrdom, yeah, martyrdom was so powerful. Right. We betray our communities. We betray our race and our kindred for the sake of material gain. We do it time and again. Yes. And, and now we're doing it en masse. We, we've done it en masse. What we've yeah, sold... And, out to, 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 to the Jews and to materialism. And, and you know, this is one of the reasons why in, uh, the, the Roman world and a lot of the Roman citizens were, were impressed by martyrdom, the concept of the martyr, right? Because the martyr was basically saying, uh, you know, I'm not a friend of this. You can do whatever you want with me, but I'm not going to renounce what I believe. I'm not going to renounce what I think is correct. And I'd rather die than do so. That concept is a very powerful thing. Because the because for the European soul, this is a very powerful symbol. It, it means that you have honor, that you have loyalty, that you have things that transcend your your, your pettiness, right? Your your matter. It goes beyond it, and that's always been a very powerful thing. All of our ancestors, no matter where you find them, the, the hero, the, the tales, the, even in the Eddas, you see a lot of the tales have to do with this type of uh, with this, this type of fearlessness, this type of uh, warrior like. Uh, a mockery of death, right? I mock death. You know, I look death in the face and I mock it. I'm not afraid of it. That type of thing. Um, that's that's the, the whole source of um, uh, the, the symbols of death, right? That modern people are afraid of them because they're so afraid of death. They see any symbol of death, they freak out, right? Because oh, this 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 is the biggest fear, right? Uh, but but a lot of our ancestors loved symbols that appeared to be symbols of death because the point of the symbol was to say, I am not afraid of this, right? I mock death. I embrace death. That's a very powerful uh, uh, symbol. Continue reading. I don't know if you've got this connected, but I'll read a little bit more here just in case. Let me see. The, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I did get disconnected and 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 there was a delay in in reactivating my microphone. So, so people, the the people that are listening on Christogenia heard me and, and not you, and the people listening on Talkshu heard you and not me. <laughs> okay, but there was not that. I don't know if there was that much of a lapse. Well, well, you were talking about martyrdom and and the awe that the Roman people had for the Christian martyrs. Yes. And the Christian martyrs, that they gave their lives for their convictions. And, and that yes. is how strongly they, they held their beliefs. And, and there were thousands or tens of thousands of Christian martyrs in, in the first three centuries of Christianity. And, and these people basically gave their lives because they would not. They refused to worship Caesar. If they sacrificed, typically, if they would break and, and sacrifice to Caesar and worship Caesar, that they would live, and, and they would be traitors to their, to their Christian conviction, but they would live. And, and if they refused to sacrifice to Caesar, they would basically thrown to the lions or beheaded or, or suffered one of many other atrocities and, and, and lost their lives. And, and for that conviction... Tens of thousands of people lost their lives. And, and oh, the Romans were, yeah. were impressed by that. And, and the Romans yeah, were impressed by that and by the fact that no matter how many Christian martyrs there were, they could not stamp out Christianity. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what I was saying. What I was saying is that, that, that before this, this shunning, right, this, this, um, this type of um, mocking death was, a, was so powerful to this to a pagan, pagans and their heroes mock death, right? So a martyr was a hero, in other words, right? Um, so the heroism of a martyr was very powerful to a regular re- Roman citizen because, for, for, because it is inherent in us to, to admire this type of thing, right? Um, and what I was saying is the symbols of death, right? Skulls, bones, uh, uh, colors that imply death or funerary symbols. These things were not scary to us because we were not afraid of death. They're scary to people today. They're not scary to people in our past because these symbols represented heroism and transcendence. We were not afraid of these things. Today, anything like, like even those SS flags, right, like the Totenkopf, right, the, the, the skull and crossbow, that kills the, scares the hell out of people today because they're afraid of death. And that's the worst thing that can happen to them. Um, but, but even 50 years ago, the symbol had a completely different meaning, right? Um, it's, it's amazing how things can, the paradigm can switch in only 50 years, um, but yeah. Well, well it is, that's the power of the Jewish media, right? That the paradigm is <laughs> in only 50 years. Yeah, because okay. even Christians, like even mainstream Christians are, uh, that you sometimes hear, they're afraid of, of anything that implies death. So I, I don't understand how can they be transcendentalists. They're not. They're materialists in Christian drove, in wardrobe, because they're the most, the people that are most afraid of death are these people. They're hugely afraid of death. That's like their biggest fear. So they're obviously materialists, not so. Well, well, that's because that they're, they're afraid that they'll miss the rapture. Exactly. <laughs> the um, well, well, right. But Judeo Christianity is not real Christianity. It, it's certainly the martyrs would be ashamed of these Judeo Christians yes, because they're course. basically that they've traded Christ and now they're worshiping the Jews. They're worshiping the Jews correctly. Now, now a lot of pagans and white nationalists might say, "Well, Christ was a Jew," and, and I would say that that is a lie, and that's a lie because the the Jews of today are not the people of the Old Testament, and, and Judea 
in the first century was a multicultural polyglot nation. It, it was simply a Roman political province that the um, secular authorities such as Strabo and, and Josephus, um, Flavius Josephus, attest to that. And, and when I say Strabo, I mean Strabo, the Greek geographer. He had no, um, not, no pony in the race. He didn't really care, but he described Judea as a multiracial um, Roman political province is what it was, and um, Christ is not a Jew in that sense because he, he was a, um, a a real Hebrew of the tribe of Judah, and these people that we know today as Jews certainly are not. They're, they're race mixed. It, it's Calling Christ a Jew is like calling George Washington a nigger because niggers inhabit Washington, D.C. today. I, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm making a silly analogy, but it's a true analogy. It, it's, um, you, you know, you can't imagine that New Yorkers of 300 years ago were black because half of New Yorkers are black today. You just can't do that. And, and the same was true in Judea in ancient times, and, and these people that we know as Jews are, are, are a race-mixed, bastardized people, and, and they're not the people of the Bible at all. So, so that's... Um, I, would to, like, I, I would like to say something about that really quick, because basically that for, for those who are national socialists, and I'm talking about the, the guys who are like hardcore into national socialism, it wouldn't really make sense or be disrespectful of national socialists to tell someone um, that that Jesus was a Jew because within the tenets of National Socialism, even if we talk about esoteric National Socialism, we're just looking back. So, um, Houston Stuart Chamberlain, um, the myth of the 20th century, uh, uh, Dietrich Eckhart, all these guys were very clear in specifically pointing out, right, that, that Jesus was not a Jew. So you can argue about other things, but at least in that aspect, philosophically speaking, the premise of the, the, the mythos of the blood the, the, the premise of National Socialism, not only as a political philosophy, but even as a political religion, it's predicated on the idea that Christ himself was not Jewish, right? So I point this out because I think that one thing is, one thing is to say that, that, which I don't believe, I, I, I wouldn't say that to be a National Socialist, you have to be CI, I wouldn't say that, because CI goes beyond. But what I'm saying is that for a National Socialist to accuse or claim that Christ was a Jew would be disrespectful to National Socialism because it is predicated in the philosophy of National Socialism that he wasn't. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? It would be inconsistent with National Socialism to say that. You could later argue issues of Old Testament. That's another issue. But the issue of, of Christ himself, um, it is philosophically sound as a National Socialist to say that he wasn't. Well, well, right, and and it's the confusion of genealogy and geography, and and it's all over again. Christian identity does for the Bible, and and, and everything that I believe, uh, I could pull quotations from the classics all day long out of my head. Uh, it's not that I'm that good; it's just that I've studied this issue to that degree. Everything I believe is based on actual historic, ancient historical inscriptions and documents, without studied without the influence of Jewish academics who permeate Western society today. The, the, the um, Christian identity does for the Bible what Holocaust revisionists do for National Socialist Germany, that they go in and they examine the real facts, the real archaeology, 
the, 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 the real documents, the original material, and they come to the conclusion that there was no Holocaust. Well, well uh, I've gone in and I've studied the ancient classics and, and all of the biblical literature and, and in, in the Greek language as well as in English, and, and, and I've come to the conclusion, and not me, but a whole um, cadre of Christian identity, um, act, well, well, scholars, let's put it that way, and we've come to the conclusion that, that because of the nature of Judea in the first century and, and because of what we know from history, we can determine that the Hebrews and, and the Israelites of the Bible in the Old Testament and, and down to Christ himself, they were Aryans by race. They were a branch of the white race. And, and the people known as Jews are actually a mixed race of, of some Aryans mixed in with Edomites and Canaanites and, and the other um, antagonists of the Bible, the antagonists of the Old Testament scriptures. And, and that's, that, that can be established. It, it is established in, in many um, very well-documented historical essays on my website. If people could take that or leave it, but the bottom line is you write Severus, Adolf Hitler and, and the National Socialists believed that Christ was an Aryan. Now, they couldn't go back, and they didn't, and it wasn't their job to go back and sort out the history of first century Judea. They knew just by nature that Christ was an Aryan. I like to say that if Jesus was a Jew, he would have been doing um, stand-up comedy instead of parables. <laughs> you know, and, and that sounds funny, and it is funny, but it's true. It's true. His nature was absolutely contrary to anything found among the Jews and, and, and his teaching. And, and the Jews are basically the, the, the world's antichrist and, and have been contrary to everything that, that's Aryan and, and the enemies of everything Aryan. And, and they're the enemies of, of all of God's creation, basically. No, and actually, actually, that's what's interesting because that's actually the approach of Chamberlain. I would say even Himmler, which is good. a lot of people paint him as this weird, like a Satanist magician, right? But but even Himmler specifically and um, Villaduck, which is they call him like the the Himmler's Rasputin, right? Even those guys, they always had a Christian foundation in it. Even if they experimented with other aspects, which they did, um, they they still had. The, the Christian background, the, the, the Christian foundation, and they also used the um, Christ as an Aryan type of thing. They took it into Gnostic things and they took it into different levels, but my, my, what I'm trying to point out is that irrespective of these other details, the fact is that even guys that, that, that a lot of uh, modern national socialists want to like, imagine as being like these uh, wizards of, like, like racist wizards or whatever, <laughs> even those guys, um, acknowledged and viewed um, uh, Christ as an integral character in that mythos, right? Even if they took it to a different level or a, or a different direction, I would say, uh, they still accepted that, and it's based on his character. So they would say it's based on his character and what he's doing. What he's doing is transcendental, therefore it's an Aryan, because only, that's basically Rosenberg's point, that, that Aryans are transcendental and they view blood as transcendental, as something beyond matter, and this characteristic is what differentiates an Aryan from an Aryan. And that view is actually the source of, 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 of the deeper root of National Socialism. It's actually on that. 
Um, and if you reject that, if you're just like an idiot guy, then you're really not really a national socialist. You may you may like like an economic, you may like the Volkswagen, for example. <laughs> and you may not like uh, non-whites, but that doesn't necessarily make you a true national socialist. That's just my my two cents on that, my opinion on that. Well, well, right. I don't care what pagan is, what what pagans and what atheists think about Christianity. White atheists. I don't. I, I really don't care that they could reject their Christ, Christianity and and it's that it's their own um, fate, perhaps. However, the biggest mistake they make is to take for granted the Jewish profession concerning the Scripture. That that's the biggest mistake they make. That that they understand most pagans. And atheist white nationalists do understand that the Jews are liars. They lie about Europe. They lie about European history. They lie about the Holocaust, that they lie today. They lie about all these current events, that they lied about 9-11, that the media outlets lie all the time. But why do they take it for granted that Jews are telling the truth about the Bible? That, that's it. The Jew doesn't tell the truth about a damn thing unless he could profit <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, well, would you like to finish presenting your paper? Because I'm afraid we may, may get cut off at the two-hour mark, and that gives us about maybe 12 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me just yeah, because I'm already at the end anyway. Um, there, are, there are of course those who will claim to have no transcendental view whatsoever, but nonetheless affirm that they are still willing to sacrifice themselves for our people. The truth of the matter is that they are either overestimating their enthusiasm or are in truth more religious than they think. People in this category may simply be dishonest to themselves in this matter, possibly because they have believed the mainstream propaganda that being secular and non-theistic is somehow an intellectually superior position to take. Accepting this false dichotomy is, in my humble opinion, the best proof that some people are not very educated to begin with. Just like there ain't no atheists in foxholes, I don't think there are any so-called atheists in the martyr pantheons of any nation. And does none to fully trust in our movement. <laughs> I guess that's, I guess that's the most aggressive conclusion uh, I could sentence I could put in. Um, the truth of the matter is that those who view themselves as random interactions with atoms, or who honestly believe that their relationship to the race and nation is purely material, will eventually awaken the dark pit of logic slippery slopes to realize that he or she will either have to actually risk life and limb for the sake of others i.e. sacrifice for the sake of something they will probably never accrue a tangible benefit from, or be obliged to put themselves above all else. If the choice is self, then materialism won. If the choice is anything beyond self, transcendence is victorious. That's kind of like the end of my article. Well, well that's, that, that's an excellent viewpoint. That, that's an excellent conclusion that there are, are no atheists in the modern pantheons of any nation. It's true, atheists, well... well that they've um, not been found. Uh, I mean, they have not been found in the hero legends of, of any culture yeah. that I've ever read. <laughs> I've never seen a hero um, from the ancient world that, that basically was like a nihilist uh, atheist. <laughs> because, they're all, because they're all for themselves. They may be a villain, but they're not going to be a hero. Well, well, right. The, the, the atheists are probably found in the camp followers who profited from war. And we know who they were. <laughs> well, exactly. That they, they, the eternal Jew. Um, it, it's, it's the, 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 the secularist, the, the atheist, and, and, and the secular Jew, and, and today's Judeo Christians who, who are 
um, most often know better than Jews. They're, they're in between the ears, at least. That they've, um, they're, they're generally only concerned for their own well-being, their own salvation, their own skin. Yeah, absolutely. And they have no regard at all for for giving their lives for for their community. The the, the these a lot some of these boys that go off and fight in our wars and and get themselves blown up, some of them might have the idea that they were doing it for their nation. Most of them were doing it for mercantile interests, and 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 to advance their their, their own. Um, that their own career career ambitions or, or, or go to college because they have that college bonus hung out there. Or, yeah, they're or that, gamblers. Yeah, they're yeah. Gamblers. yeah, because they're gambling. They're saying, okay, so right now I don't have anything, but if I go up there and maybe I risk a couple hours in the field, I may not get shot, but I get a new pickup truck and an education. Then I can, you know, have, uh, you know, as many women as I want and buy whatever I want. They're really just gamblers, but they're not really – Risking anything, they're just gambling. No, they're no, just, yeah. they're no better than the mercenaries of the ancient world who were always despised. Exactly. exactly. Who were always despised. Well, well, I, I hope um, I, I hope your points got across, and, and I thank you for being here with me tonight. Um, it's been a pleasure, and and um, hopefully we'll do it again soon someday. And, and that was transcending materialism. Severus Nipholson. Um, well, your your website, nipholson.blogspot.com, right? right. Is, is that right? Nipholson, N-I-F-L-S-O-N. I'll put a link to his to, to Severus's article on his on his website when I post this program's archive on Christiania. Thank you for joining me. Um, thank, you. thank you for listening, everybody, and praise Yahweh. Good night.